This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mess from MLB.com, virtually via Zoom, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg, we're as we're taping this, it is the morning after Game 1 and a couple hours before Game 2 of the 2020 National League Division Series with the Braves and the Marlins. So we're feeling pretty good currently, uh, coming off a game one, big Game 1 win. Uh, there were some... I guess fireworks, you could say, a little bit of fireworks. Uh, we get into that with today's guest. Uh, former teammate of yours, longtime Brave, longtime big leaguer. This was, uh, you know, every there's been so many times in recording this show where I'm just like, I feel like a, a kid again, like getting to talk to one of my, my heroes from those first Braves teams that I first watched and first made me fall in love with the game. Like, I remember uh, Ryan Klesko, I think it was opening day, oh gosh, maybe it was opening day 95, 94, something like that, um, where it was opening day and I'd just gotten home from school. And I think maybe you guys are, I don't know if you guys are playing a little bit earlier in the day um, or if maybe it was just the first day. So maybe TBS had like a special like a season preview or something. But I remember it was like the kickoff to that season was Ryan Klesko was being interviewed on TBS. And that was like, as soon as I got home, turned on the TV, that was the first thing I saw was, I want to say it was P- Peter Skip, one of them interviewing Ryan Klesko, and it was like I was so excited because baseball was back. So he's an integral part of, of those first teams that I love. But uh, he's been – I know for you, he's been a huge part of what you do uh, with the alumni. Uh, he's here for a lot of different stuff. He's done – does work with Fox Sports South and the broadcasts. I mean, he's still very, very much involved and entrenched in uh, all things Braves country. Yeah, Rhino is one of those special guys. He has um, – been the same. So what you saw today in how he talks and, and interacts is how he's always been. I mean, he just, he, he's just a special person. He's a lot of fun to be right. A lot of energy. 
So he's all in. If, if the game's going on and he's playing in the game, he's all in. I, it, he doesn't do anything just halfway. So he was always um, that type of teammate. He was all in with you. He would do whatever he would, whatever he could to help you as an individual. If he was out there playing left field, even though he wasn't the best left fielder in the game, um, he was all in. He tried his best. If he's at the plate and there was a man on second base or if there was nobody on, he was all in uh, trying to do his best. Uh, he was he played first base. He played, you know, he he did a lot of things for the organization. It kind of reminds me like Chipper, you know, Chipper moved to, to left field because we needed a left fielder. Rhino was a first baseman, you know, but he, you know, we had McGriff there, so he had to go to left field. So um, he just he just did whatever he could to to help the team win. And, you know, and he does that today. I mean, he's a, he's a great alumni. He helps the organization however he can. He's involved in what we do, and we really appreciate it. Plus, he's got great stories. He's got great stories on and off the field, and he's a lot of fun to talk to. So I, I know everybody's going to enjoy hearing from Rhino. Yeah, we got to have him on again because I feel like we just we we ended up there was so much to talk about that we wanted to get into with with the current Braves that by the time I looked at we looked up at the the clock and it's like oh shoot we're running out of time here and <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the stories but we did get some pretty good stories there at the end so look forward Sorry. to hopefully having him on again in the future and uh, getting some more of the the good stories from back in the day. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, what a great personality and uh, I, I meant to ask him. Again, another thing I'll ask him next time, I was going to ask him if he remembered uh, your nickname being Harry, because uh, I'm never going <laughs> to let that go. So anytime we have one of your teammates that you were got teammates with for a few years in the 90s, I always intend to bring yeah. that up. Uh, shout out to Greg Maddox for that. That's maybe the best gift he's ever given me. <laughs> Letting me know when we had him, we had him on that your nickname was Harry. But, uh, but yeah. Um, keeps on giving. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Well, listen, uh, let's just get right into it then. I mean, we're, we we get into a little bit of everything with Ryan Glesko, talking about the current team, what's going on with us in the postseason, a little bit of stories from him from back in the day and his him getting started in, in baseball as a youth. And a really, really fun conversation. It went by and like felt like two minutes for me, and it was a half hour. So that's, it was a fun mm-hmm. one. So, uh, yeah, uh, sit back and enjoy former Braves outfielder and first baseman Ryan Klesko. To right field and deep, and it is gone. One strike away, Klesko hits one out. All right, well, hey, Ryan. Um, thanks for joining us on Behind the Braves. And um, I know that uh, this is probably your favorite time of the year, like it is mine. You've got a lot of great memories. I mean, you've had, throughout your career, you had all kinds of postseason experience. And uh, it's great to see the Braves back in the postseason. What's tell us, uh, kind of starting off, tell us one one big memory from uh, for you the postseason. You know, one I think the one big one was just finally getting a dang hit in that in that in that World Series game. You know, um, all those years, you know, all those first couple of games, I didn't know until until they re-aired it. You know, what a few several months ago. But you know, those first couple of games, I didn't get no hits, and I didn't get any hits, and I was and, and, and I was just getting nervous. You know, you're not sleeping, you, you know, and you know, and I'm sitting there and, and just thinking, you gotta you gotta learn to relax a little bit, you know, and and uh, that was that was only really my my first full year um, as a Brave. You know, '94 was a strike year, so 
I got my family there, you know, the, the, you know, the kind of the history with the Braves is, you know, that, you know, they lost, what, they lost to Minnesota and lost to Toronto. And so you're, you're already kind of feeling the pressure. You know how it is. You're already kind of feeling the pressure. And here I am going into game three without a hit. And the Omar Vizquel uh, made a couple just unreal plays on me. And I'm like, I got I to gotta keep it away from that guy. And finally, you know, of course, finally I got hot. But just, just getting that first hit m- m- meant that I can actually get some dang sleep. <laughs> That's great. You know, and I've had this conversation a number of times since uh, we've been talking postseason, and I want to get your take on this. But, you know, there's that there's the layers of postseason. So not only have you played a long season, not only are you a little banged up, but then also you know what it what's at stake. You know, we're all playing for that ring. But then there's that layer of home field advantage in the fans, and now they don't have that. And people, uh, we've been debating on whether or not how much that impacts you as a player. So talk to us a little bit about, I mean, you know, when you've got all those fans in Cleveland and you're having to play there and you've got those fans in New York and and all kinds of stuff, how much impact do you think that extra layer of home field advantage means to these guys now that they don't have it this year? Well, I mean, you know well as I do is if you look back at the numbers, obviously over time and just in the history, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to do with the home field advantage. The home team usually has a higher chance of winning. And now I know that there's been some odd circumstances. So you know, was it was it what was it last year's World Series? Every every team won every away game, or whatever was the first time in history um, that that ever happened, or whatever whatever it was last year. But generally speaking, it's your home park. They're your home fans. You know your field well. Um, you know, as a hitter, you see more at bats in that stadium you, uh, at you know than anywhere else. So, so you know, there's going to be a slight advantage. But now with no fans and being at somewhere else, you know, it's it's going to be you know, you got to you got to find a way to pick yourself up. And and the good thing is about that is they've been doing this. You know, they did it for two months. So if there was any kind of hiccups or any way to get yourself motivated, I think, and Greg, you'll probably assess this, I think you're going to have to motivate your, yourself and you're going to have to be more energetic in the, in the, in the dugout. And, yeah, and actually, as we're watching the Braves highlights uh, last night, those, those players are picking each other up. And so there's got to be more of that and more mm-hmm. of picking each other than the fans because, you know, the fans have always been a home field advantage where the fans has always, has always helped, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think – the more energy in the dugout or if you're a player that, that feeds better off the fans and energy of being at home, um, you're going to have to find a way to, to make it work. Well, I want to get into uh, something that happened during game one and this will, this will be out uh, after game two. So we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens uh, today, but as we're sitting here, we're coming off the heels of game one. Um, Ronald Acuna and the Marlins, there's a little over a two-year history now there. Uh, I think he's been hit five or six times. Actually, when Greg and I launched uh, behind the Braves two years ago, that whole whole history had just started because I remember we were in our early interviews, we were talking about that. Um, But I am curious. I I don't think – Snit said it. I I think everybody agrees that – the Marlins weren't trying to hit Acuna last night. That wasn't on purpose. And it, why would they do that? Because it didn't help them in any way. But when it keeps happening repeatedly, if they're trying to hit in, or trying to pitch you inside and they keep hitting you, if you're a hitter, and I want to ask both of you this. I want to get the hitter's perspective and the pitcher's perspective. But, Ryan, as a hitter, like even when you know it's not on purpose, don't you, do you, have, you have a right to be mad and want to retaliate somehow. Am I, am I correct in that? If there's a history there, yes. You know, I mean, obviously – Back, you know, when when I was playing, 
I, I took big swings. So I got thrown at all the time. I got thrown up, up and in all the time, right? So especially if you're, if you're diving out over the plate and hitting balls that are off the outside corner out to center field or you're pulling them for home runs. And, you know, you took a big swing off Pedro Martinez or Roger Clemens, they're coming in, they're coming up and in, in your neck. And if they hit you, they hit you. Um, sure, I was mad. At, I was mad. You know, I, Pedro threw behind me one time after I think I took a big swing off him or I hit a home run off me through with 96 behind my head. And that's when I took a, you know, that's when I, I stepped out about five steps and, and told him that that, that wasn't going to happen again or I was coming after him. I warned him. But, you know, we got thrown out a lot more, especially the big, the big swingers. But you had to open up that inside part of the plate. And Greg knows that, you know, you can't, you can't just let the, guy, the hitter just sit out over there and dive out of the plate. And back then they didn't have all that body armor. They didn't have, the, they didn't have a ton of um, arm braces and the, and the cheek guard. And, you know, and they had full, full body armor. Some of these guys now, they got everything they, they got on, and they're just sitting on top of the plate and diving out over the plate. And if they get hit, it doesn't even hurt them. So the game's changed a little bit in that. And, but with Acuna, he's got to get mad. Even, you know, he, he's, killing the, he's killing the Marlins. And, and, and that, he went opposite field with a home run. Of course they're going to try to pitch him in. And, and, and Greg can uh, – Mac can assess to this. When you're throwing to – and I can and, – and we have a – my son plays on a travel ball team, and I've co- helped coach his travel ball team. I tell my pitchers, if we go inside – you miss, you miss on the inside part. You don't miss over the middle. So if you go in, you miss up. You miss more inside than you would over the middle because if you miss over the middle, he's going to hit a home run. So, so once in a while, you're going to get hit because when they're trying to pitch him in, you want to miss more in than, than, than over the middle of the plate. You don't want it leaking out of the middle. And, and everybody, I mean, everybody does that. And, and, and part of the game, you're going to get hit. But I understand he's, he, there's a history there because they have, in my opinion, they have hit him on purpose before so in the back of his mind he's going to be mad so so yeah you're going to react sometimes quicker uh, before you get to think about it yeah I guess my point is at what point do you feel like somebody needs to do something because I know that there was always talk among you hitters that if I don't show and have an attempt to protect you then why would you dive and risk your body for a ball when I'm not willing to you know protect your body so at what point does Acuna say you know screw it I'm gonna I'm gonna take it into my own hands because nobody seems to want to protect me and how much is the pitching the pitching staff's fault because for me I'd be having conversations with my pitching staff and say listen I don't care what it takes you better do something to to show that you're not going to let me just to keep getting hit and so I I mean I kind of blame the pitching staff a little bit because I've not seen them do anything to protect Ronald. And um, at some point, I know maybe oh, yeah. the series and the National League is not the right time, the NLCS, but this has happened for two years. So at some point, somebody's got to do something and to send a message, and I just haven't seen it. Well, and another thing, too, it's every time it happens now, warnings are immediately issued. So it's to me, in my perspective, and I'm a homer and, a, and biased because I'm, you know, I'm on the brave side here, but <laughs> – Warnings are issued, and then the Braves can't retaliate, right? I mean, does, is it, the way I'm looking at it is if warnings are immediately issued, doesn't that kind of give the Marlins a free pass to, to keep doing it or getting away with it, or am I wrong in that? You just got to take their best hitter in a situation when you're beating the crap out of them. Say you're up, you're up six or seven, you're down six or seven, and you just say, okay, this is the time. You take their best hitter in the lineup, the hottest hitter or the best hitter, and you smoke them, right? I mean, you smoke them, and then 
you know, but I, I see, and I, and I didn't know the history. I thought when this first started going on, on in Mac, you know, I'm not catching all the games like Mac. I was up in New Mexico at uh, Mike Plant's place up there doing some stuff, but I didn't catch it all. But I thought that we retaliated when they first started, started when they, when this started happening. Um, but, but I guess it's not been as, as much as Ronald would like and, and Mac was like, I guess, I guess we must have not, we might not have, have we retaliated at all since it's been happening, Mac? I thought there was an old, a thing where we hit, we hit them, they hit us, we hit them, and then it kind of, it was a bunch of stuff early on. And uh, I don't know, is that, is that not true? One of our guys threw at somebody in Miami, and I can't remember who it was because he got – and I don't even know if he hit him. Might have gone behind him because somebody got ejected, and I can't remember. Was it? I don't know if it was Soroka or who it was. Somebody did. There was something early on. No, yeah, you're right. It was. It was basically um, uh, the kid that came over from Baltimore, the starting pitcher, and he didn't uh, uh, tall and a pitcher. He didn't. What was his name? Kevin Gosman. That's yeah, it. Kevin Gosman. He did. I just think that because it's been ongoing. But yeah, but that's he's been hit like five times, and that's. It's only one attempt, yeah. so I under I agree with Mac. It's got there's got to be a little bit more done. There's got to be, you know, he, the one time for five is not you know exactly yeah. the the right. best way to retaliate. And and we missed the guy, right? So, but but <laughs> there's certain situations where you don't want to put yourself in. You don't want to lose your losing your starting pitcher. You know, you pick somebody that throws hard out of the bullpen that needs some work, and then when you're up up. Up seven or eight or down seven or eight or whatever it is, you pick that time in. To, I mean, you know, and that's what sucked, you know, especially – I mean, there was a lot of big hitters in the Atlanta lineup. But when I was in San Diego, um, you know, he's one of the marquee players, me and Nevin. When someone got hit, it was always me or Nez. It was always – because they're, you know, they, that, that's just the way it was when something happened. And we had, we had some pitching – uh, we had some good teams in San Diego and some bad teams in San Diego, but we had some wild pitching, right? Some young guys. We were hitting guys all the time. So I'm like, oh, God. He didn't hit two guys this inning. And sure enough, first my first bat, I wear one in the back. And I just run to first <laughs> because I know they're retaliating. And I know there's yeah. nothing I can do about it. You know, yeah. when the Braves, you know, you hit Fred McGriff or David Justice or Andres Galarraga, I wasn't always the one getting punked. When I went to San Diego, it was me or Nev every freaking time. Mm-hmm. It sucked. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a big proponent of just uh you know of a hit fest, but uh, and this is not the time to do it. Obviously, it worked our advantage because they end up firing us up, and that's when we dropped a you know dropped a six spot on them. So um, you know there's there's always time for that, and and we could talk all day about that. But uh, you know it, it it is interesting when you look at this team, Rhino. Um, you know, and you give them the eyeball test, there's been a lot of talk about. I think they picked us maybe about middle of the pack as far as, you know, we're not the best team in the playoffs. We're not the worst team. But when you look at our team, what what comes to mind uh, with you on kind of the eyeball test of who we are as a Braves team? Well, you know, they're going to be thought of as we're scary, right? Because you just never know. We got we got a great offense. We got a lot of a lot of energy. Obviously, obviously, the starting pitching with the injuries and and some of the, you know some of the guys not maybe not turning out the where we thought it was going to be early in the year. Obviously, the starting pitching is is is, is not as good as we'd like it to be. And but that being said, in this new era, 
it, right? In this new era, you know, you like sometimes like look, look at the Yankees did last night and in Tampa Bay. I mean, some of the, they brought that starter in for one inning just to put all the left-handers against the race. So, and we, and, and I thought, our, I think our bullpen's doing great. So maybe, maybe the old school thinking from when me and you play, where you have to have all these great starters, um, is not as, as necessarily as important as you think. Sure, you would love to have three or four guys in that rotation that have their possible Cy Young guys, right? But nowadays, you got a guy that can go out there and, and scrap for three, four, or five innings, and you got a strong bullpen. That seems to be the winning formula uh, for a lot of the teams now. So as long as the offense is swinging the bats, we're a very dangerous team. Of course, I would like to see the starting pitch be a little bit better, um, you know, and it, 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 but it's injuries. It's not like we came into the season thinking, you know, these guys are going to get hurt, you know. So we just had some injuries and some guys that maybe didn't do as well as we thought, but they're dangerous. They're a very dangerous team. Everybody's scared of them. Um, so maybe it's, it's good sometimes to be the underdog, right? Middle of the pack, not the worst, not the best, like you're saying, but I definitely think they got a chance. They're a very energetic team. What do you, I mean, what do you guys think? I uh, absolutely, I've said lineup wise, I mean, I've been, Rogers, following Rogers, the Rogers. Uh, I've been following the Braves since I was, well, really since, since you first broke in uh, with the Braves in the early nineties when I was a kid. I mean, that's what Braves on TBS. That's what got me into baseball and becoming a fan and lifelong fan of the team and, and the game. And to me, this is the best lineup I've ever seen out of a Braves team. And that's, and that is no disrespect. That's I feel like that's the ultimate compliment I can pay this team in that there have been some really good lineups. I mean, you don't win – you don't go to multiple World Series and and, uh, and and win 14 straight and all that without some good lineups. We all know about the pitching staff, but the lineup was there too. So, to me, it's the best lineup. So, it's just if, if the three guys at the front of the rotation can do what they've done the last – well, what Max has done all season, and then if, if Ian Anderson can done what he's can do what he's done since he's come up, and if Kyle Wright can do what he's done the last three four weeks of the season, then I love I love their chances against anybody. And that's and the Dodgers. If let's say we get past this round, and I, who knows? I know the Padres are down one nothing, but but I'm going to my pick would be the Dodgers. It will be who you have to face in the LCS. That's going to be a tough task. But I love I love this team's chances absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot there with momentum and there's some intangibles there. And I, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, too, about, you know, we've been through a lot of series. I think I looked at you. You played 15 different series between um, NLCS, uh, in it, you know, the uh, the division series, the World Series. I mean, you played in a lot of series between uh, a bunch of different Braves teams. And there's a there's some dynamics there of what we call breaks, you know. So whether it's a whether it's a uh, a ball that's just foul or a ball that's just fair or a pitch that's called here or there, do you do you attribute that to just baseball, or do you think momentum has something to do with it, or do you think that there's some chemistry that has something to do? With it? What, how do you look at those breaks that happened during all those different series that you played that led to success or, or failure? Well, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, in the World Series when we were up on the Yankees, that, that, moment, that momentum change when, uh, you know, Larry hit that home run, it, it seems, when I look back, that, that seemed to take it took the gas out of us. Uh, if I had to look back at it now and or to relive it again now, I'd be that vocal guy going, hey, guys, it's just one, let's, let's get back. I think, it, it, I mean, it, it takes a little bit out of you. I think 
I think there was got to be, if I had to go back and change things, I would think that we guys would be more vocal and maybe call the meeting and say, Hey, you know, cause after that we were, it seemed like we were done. Right. And, and, and that was a big momentum change and the Yank and a, a big momentum change towards the Yankees because big home run, they could have been down big time. Um, you know, look what Boston did. Momentum changes and in, in, in attitude and said, look what the Padres did the other night. They were flat. They were getting their bus beat. You know, I was just in Sutcliffe talk about it. If they can just get one big hit to get this team back on track, they had the one home run, and next thing you know, they hit full home runs later. So I believe in that big momentum momentum change. But as on, and when you're on the other side, you've got to tell those guys, you've got to keep your, your lineup and your guys, hey, this ain't going to happen anymore. Let's stop it, right? Talk to the pitch. The pitchers talk to the pitchers. The hitters talk to the hitchers. You've got to keep battling, and you got to keep your head up and keep going. So I think um, – Man, there's been a lot of big momentum changes so far, and 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 over the the playoffs, you know, Boston yeah. was one one out away from being sent home. They ended up never losing another game and winning the World Series. So there was a big momentum changes, and it's yes, it's hard to stop some of those, but you and, that, and when you're on the other side of that, you've got to bear down and just forget about mm-hmm. that and play forward and not let that bother you. And that, I think that's something that that maybe we should have done as a team uh, in, in that series. But whether it would help or not, I don't know. But it would be something I look back and always think about. Yeah. Ryan, I, I, there's so much we could, so many different directions we could go with your career. I mean, 16 years in the big leagues, um, uh, so many different things. But in, in reading about you and researching you a little bit, uh, one thing that I ran across that I thought was kind of cool that I wanted to ask you about was I read that as a, as a kid, as a youngster, when you first got interested in baseball, that your mom uh, built a, a pitching mound in the backyard. Is that is that story accurate? Is that how that happened? Oh yeah, my mom's a rock star, you know. So so she she worked two jobs. Dad kind of had a health related issue and worked in the oil fields. My mom met my mom and dad met picking cotton in the in the cotton fields in Bakersfield, California. They're both their families were from Oklahoma. Dad got a job in the oil fields later on in life. Dad got hurt. Dad didn't even know baseball. My mom, I had two older sisters who were unbelievable softball players. So mom worked an extra job. We went to hitting and pitching lessons, kind of the same thing that Mike does. Mike does some pitching lessons. I've actually, he's actually worked with my son, but I went to those hitting and pitching lessons for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And she might not could afford college, but she could afford, you know, to pick the kids, maybe get a chance to get a scholarship. And that's what happened. You know, by the time I did that, but mom used to throw the catching gear on and she caught me all the way going into my freshman. I think it was my uh, freshman year, six, uh, fifth, 14 or 15 years old, I was already throwing about 83, 84 miles an hour. And she used to throw the catcher's gear on and catch me. Well, I threw a breaking ball in the dirt. It bounced up. And she just was wearing her uh, mask that time. And I hit her in the leg and it uh, whelped her leg up really, really bad. Well, she missed a few days of work. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We couldn't afford to, you know, get her out of work. So she hobbles into work. And then that weekend she went to Home Depot, got all the stuff and then built. She had the concrete, the wood, the netting, got everything and built me a built a, a pitch back, you know, with the netting and everything. She goes, I'm not catching anymore. I can't afford to miss any more work. And she built the pitching mound and the pitch and the pitch back that weekend. That's awesome. But to this day, I mean, she used to call I me. Mean, she, she knows everything about baseball because she said it. You got to remember, she sat in for pitching and hitting lessons for 12 to 14 years, softball and baseball. She used to call me and tell me, you better tell that Greg McMichael or that Greg Maddox that they're that they need to they need to they need to stop throwing that ball away and, and pitch more inside or he's dropping his arm. I said, Mom, I'm not telling Greg Maddox and McMichael that. Yes, said, she goes, Well, I'm just telling you, I know what I'm talking about. You know, when I'd be in a slump, she'd be she'd be wearing my hotel phone out. She'd uh, and she'd be calling the hotel at one in the morning. You better stop. You better stop stepping in that bucket. You ain't gonna go no hits that way. 
<laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to know this. I want to know that when you, <clears throat> the first time I ever met you, you were driving a monster truck. So you had this truck that was lifted up about six feet in the air with pink shocks everywhere. I want to know, did you take her for a ride in that truck? <laughs> <laughs> There's not wasn't pink shots that were red. They the, 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 the Georgia heat monitor. I don't have anything pink on my truck. It's truck, but they might they might have been getting a little bit slightly discolored from all the sun in Georgia. But that was a, it. Was a monster truck that I bought. It was a show truck. It was it had like size I don't know fifty eight or sixty four tires on it. It was a show truck, and I drove it around as my everyday car. And, um, no, uh, so, yeah, mom rode in the car, but I had, I had one of those extended, um, things that she'd, she'd drive around on that thing. And I used to get pulled over all the time. Cause you know, I, when I first bought it, I was in AAA and I used to get pulled over in Virginia all the time. Cause they say, well, it's an illegal truck. Um, and I said, well, it's not illegal. It's, it's registered in Florida. I'm from Florida and Florida. It was legal. I had the extended bumper. So I used to get pulled over all the time, but Chris Chambliss, I was late to practice and he made me, he fined me, made me run and all this stuff. Well, I was late to practice because the cops had me pulled over for half an hour. Um, and he called me in the office and yelled at me and screamed at me. And, uh, and I told him I got pulled over by the police. And he said, well, he said he didn't believe me. And I said, well, all right, well, fine. So, you know, big, big deal. I went out and I actually brought the ticket and slammed it down on his, um, on his office, on his uh, desk and said, don't ever question me again. I said, I'm tired of you always on my butt. And so <laughs> we were always friends after that, but he, he was thinking I was lying to him, but I did get pulled over. I got in trouble because of that truck. And I, I remember one, another time I, I had, I had a friend of mine that was riding with us. Um, it was a date I was on, you know, it's pre Kelly, whatever, but we, we stopped to get gas at the gas station. Cause you got to stop every few hours. Cause you know, every time you shift it, it, it takes it. But I, I guess she had forgotten that we were in a monster truck and she went to get out and she stepped out and she hit, she face planted on the concrete, like, you know, dropped it was a long drop. <laughs> it was a long drop. It was not good. <laughs> that thing was high. But she up broke there. her face for sure. Oh, oh, man. oh my God. But if the funny thing is go back on my mom, you know, after all that, because my mom, you know, she, she, I give her all the credit, her and, you know, Willie Stargell for getting me in the major leagues. But, you know, in that, in, in that 95 World Series, right, that second, that third, the third home run that I hit, she, you know, usually the moms, are, you know, the tickets behind the home plate. But I, I think I've told this story before, but mom went out to right field because uh, both my sisters or one of my sisters has been sitting because we only had two tickets behind home, home plate. And one ticket in right field because, you know, I was young and I didn't get good tickets anyways. Well, anyways, mom says, I'm going to sit out in the outfield this time. Why don't you let your sister sit behind the home plate? So, so my mom goes out in the outfield in Cleveland, right center field. And that third home run that I hit, hit my mother in the hand in, in the World Series. The one I hit off what? the base, hit her in her hand. Um, yes, I hit up. I hit a ball, and you can, if you slow down the video, you can see my mom jumping up. And the guy, it hit her hand. The guy knocked her over. And and we end up she ended up negotiating for the ball. The guy the guy knocked my mom over, grabbed the ball from her. Well, it hit her hand. She mom didn't catch it, just hit her hand. Right. But um, after the we lost that game, so I got some weird dude standing with a Cleveland jersey on, standing next to my mom, and we lost the game by one run. Um, and I'm like, after the game, we come out like, who's this guy? Why has he got a Cleveland jersey? Well, is this the guy that? You hit a ball, you hit a home run off my hands, and he got the ball. I'm like, what do you do? He goes, well, we all jumped for it, and I fell over. So he, she didn't say knock over. But I said, she goes, I really, want, I really want that ball. That baseball hit my hand. You hit me a home run. So I go, so the guy wanted, like, a Justice jersey, a Maddox jersey, a Glavin jersey, you know, four signed baseballs. I'm like, look, dude, 
no, no go on any of that. I'll give you, I'll sign up, I'll sign you a, a baseball and I'll give you one of the bats uh, that I've got. And I said, either take it or leave it. We lost or you get the heck, you know, either he took the deal, but he was wanting nice. like, you know, signed everything. So I ended up getting the ball and the, and the balls in the trophy room. So that was, that was a cool thing for my mom. Wow. Wow, what an awesome story is. I did that's the first time I've heard that. That's that's phenomenal. Just the odds of all of that coming yeah. together and, you know, just, are just amazing. Yeah, I slowed when they when they replayed in the World Series, I actually when they were showing it, I slowed it down and paused it and took a picture of it and zoomed in and there's my mom jumping for the ball. It's so crazy. Mm. You know, and it, it, it's just cool because what she did for me, she just, you know, she 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 was definitely instrumental. There's no way I'd have ever made it without her. You know, she driving around in an old Volkswagen bug looking for me because I was out playing, I didn't do my pitching, my, do my throw my bullpen yet. She'd drive around the neighborhood searching for my butt to make sure I threw my bullpen before I went out and played in the, with the rest of the boys, you know. She was one of those. That's awesome. Get your that's work like, done before you play. Yeah, but, you know, she was one of those. So. That's like, I mean, that's like Hollywood stuff. Your mom, like, takes you for all those years to all those lessons and right there with you builds the mound and the pitch return, and then you hit a home run directly to her in the World Series. I mean, that's just – Greg, I don't even know what to ask next because there's literally no yeah. story that I can think of or question no. to top that. That is incredible. No, I, I think that's a good one to end on. But, uh, Rhino, we appreciate you um, being a part of the broadcast. And you know what? You've always been a great alumni, and you, you've always been very gracious to, to be a part of Alumni Sundays and Alumni Weekend. So we re- really appreciate you. And and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again, and uh, we'll get to see the Braves and the NLCS and, and hopefully the World Series. But uh, – Thanks for being on with us today, and make sure you give your family our our best. I will, you know, and I want to thank you guys, and thank you especially, and you and Mike Plant for really keeping the alumni strong. You know, there's a lot of organizations, a lot of baseball teams that don't have strong strong alumni out there, and they don't keep their players together. And you guys do a great job with keeping us together and and getting us on Zoom calls and meeting up. And and, and you know, I think it, it should be that way in all of baseball, and I, mm-hmm. hopefully that. Uh, that gives some something some of these organizations to strive for for what you're doing down there, Greg. Yeah, agreed. Well, I appreciate you. Well, you have a good day, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Ryan. All right. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.